it, it's important also, and my audience understands this, so it's important to make sure that everyone new coming into this understands. Um, you may not uh, observe me or be aware of the things I do. You are, this is forbidden. So you gotta look away. Everyone should shut, do not stop the podcast, but plug your ears. Yeah, and if you've been noticing things I've been doing, like uh, talking with Kyle, uh, if that's, if you, you know, heard what you just said and thought, oh yeah, I noticed that. You're observing too much. You cease that. You yeah. cease that now. And then what you're gonna do is you, you gotta plug your ears and you gotta look at the time on this podcast. Don't listen to it, <laughs> but look, but look, don't turn it down either. So other people maybe can hear it. Yeah, turn it up, in it, fact, because they need, yeah, they need to, to turn hear it up. It. They need it. <laughs> they need to bear witness to our bravery. And if you're hearing this right now, you are breaking the law and you will go to jail. You'll go to hell jail. <laughs> Anger, sexual lust, the sorts of things that you experience when you're playing a video game. All these concepts originated with Karl Marx. Hello, and welcome to AGAB. All gamers are bastards. I'm your host, Kay, and with me is my co-host, Kyle. What's up, Kyle? Hi, Kay. Hey, how are you? Fucked up, man. How you doing? Same. It's, it's, it's nice to be here on uh, uh, all, all, all Gremlins Are Beautiful. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you... Uh, wanted to introduce yourself to people who may not know you and then i can do the same as we kick off this this agab session sure yeah um yeah i'm some people might know me from my youtube channel k and skittles uh in which we uh we we attempt to apply uh you know a sort of marxist analysis to all sorts of shit you know wh whatever i feel like writing about because that's what'll actually get made uh you know, a very coherent brand, definitely, for a channel. It's going very well. Just sort of whatever I want. <laughs> One of a very high-ranking, probably top three favorite YouTube video, trademark, copyright, um, <laughs> of 2020 would be uh, Kay's, video, Kay's video on Midsommar. Thanks. Uh, compliments will get you everywhere. It's important to understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> what I'm, that's what I'm here to do. <laughs> and um, ride the, my friend's coattails across the uh, the uh, the the harsh seas of capitalist content creation. They are harsh seas. Um, no, no video I've made since has, has gotten anywhere near the sort of views of that one. Uh, every now and then, the the old algorithm just picks something up and says, "Everyone will see this now. That's how it's going to be. We won't tell you why, but it's going to happen." Pleases me. <laughs> this i smile upon this creation and i also encourage everyone to continue listening to other episodes of this podcast as the uh compliments inevitably turn into a very harsh open hostility between Kay and myself as we move through our various narrative arcs in our friendship that's true i'm i'm dying for i'm, I'm dying for the 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 just open malice kind of portion <laughs> It's just yeah, it's it's gonna be uh um it's gonna be nasty. It's gonna be some some hurt feelings, some mean tweets, and uh, you're all gonna get to see it. 
Oh, by the end, um, we'll both have been canceled. We'll both yes, have been multiple times uh, imprisoned, sentenced. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, it, we will both have gone to jail for various crimes. Uh, before I introduce myself, Kay, what would your th- what would your thought crime? <laughs> Uh, be that you would uh, go to right. prison for. You haven't introduced or what's it yourself going to be still, man. We're, this is this is all. This is. We'll fuck. get there. We'll get, <laughs> we'll get. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll figure it out as we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, my thought crime would be thinking about doing uh, less thought crimes. Not being criminal enough. We'll be thinking about not being criminal enough. Because um, that you know I'd be showing weakness. And, you know, if you show weakness, you get arrested by the Thought Police. Yes. That's how it works. Uh, this is true. You have not uh, hit your ratio of uh, thought crimes. That's right. I should say that my name is Kyle, and uh, I go by Labor Kyle on most things online. And uh, like K, I also make uh, the essays on YouTube about left-wing political things and of something of a Marxist um, flavor. I talk a lot about games. Um, I've talked about other subjects in the past before, but I focus on video games mostly on YouTube just because that's just kind of something I started doing um, and have really enjoyed and that people connected with. Um, And outside of that, I am a writer who has been published places and I live in Florida and I am six feet four inches tall. Um, <laughs> okay. My biggest, my biggest fear. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and I would be arrested for um, thought crimes against our uh, Vocaloid um, overlords um, for being a subversive element against Hatsune Miku for suggesting other potential. Uh, vocaloids that people could be using Ooh, that's uh that's a capital offense buddy you're you're going away forever you're going away for good i mean it i mean i it's it's a very it's very poetic um in a way because i i love miku but i had to betray her for Mm. the greater good for art i had to betray her for art you yeah you must (laughs) you simply must there's no (laughs) there's there's no way out you gotta you have to betray your heroes for art um welcome to the podcast it's a podcast and uh where we're going to talk about video games and how they're bad um and we're going to this is our uh, there's there was already a podcast called struggle session uh so we called this one something else but struggle session <laughs> it is because uh to be a gamer is to uh known oneself as a bastard uh that's right uh, uh, did, did i get that correct okay Yep, and also to be part of the most uh, oppressed group yes. on earth. So it's it's tough. It's hard. Um, even even being here and admitting, confessing that we've played video mm. games, uh, you know, puts us in grave danger. Uh, we could lose our jobs. We could be uh, excommunicated from the church. Yeah. Uh, well, what you're saying is that you're, we're incredibly brave. Yeah, I'm saying that um, we're very brave. Uh, I would say heroic, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that uh, people, people's kids um, should look up to us as sort of like uh, the, the paragon of what they uh, what they should aspire to be, what anyone should be. Paragon? Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm etching this in stone, um, so <laughs> it, ta- it just takes, it, it takes a little longer. 
Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, th- this is true. Well, I mean, in consider- considering all of that, um, we thought that we would, uh, we had the harebrained idea that people on the internet would be interested in listening to us talk more than we already do online, um, which, you know, we'll test that theory, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, We should move on to our first uh, segment, which uh, we haven't really thought of a clever name for. But it's just, uh, you know, what the fuck's going on? What the fuck's going on in, in Game Town? Game Town, ta- Game Town, Game Town, USA. Game Town, USA. Game, that's the one, yeah. Game Town, Game Town, USA. Uh, it's kind of got like a, it's like a like a like a Beach Boys ripoff mm-hmm. song. Uh, everybody was gaming. Game Town USA. Something that we wanted to talk about is uh, a problem that's been sort of plaguing the video game industry for a really long time, other than the video game industry itself, which is reviewers really have no, like, big reviewers for major companies like your IGNs. They have, they don't really have any autonomy. They, they don't really have any real freedom to actually, like, critique AAA games um, because their access to review copies is controlled by the companies, by the studios and the publishers who they'd have to be pissing off, basically. Uh, so a big, a big problem uh, with that is that they, uh, these companies are really exercising their ability to control um, what reviewers are doing. And I think this is best exemplified by a statement that was released um, just earlier today. Uh, time of recording uh, by CD Projekt Red in regards to Cyberpunk 2077, uh, which says, um, we're getting closer and closer to launch, and chances are some of you will get your hands on a copy of Cyberpunk 2077 before release day. However difficult this might be for us to achieve, our ambition is for gamers all across the world to have the same spoiler-free experience at the time the game releases. This is why we kindly ask you not to stream slash let's play or release any similar content before December 9th. We will send MaxTac, you know, the guys who take down videos after everyone who does. So, I mean, obviously there's the threat in there, uh, and this is... We know that's not an empty threat. Companies do it all the time. They'll take down your shit. Uh, it is commonly referred to as the embargo. You know, there's a, a press embargo, a review embargo, what have you. Um, you're not allowed to show anything in the game. And what I think is very nefarious about this, because a big part of that is that if there's anything wrong with the game, you can't tell anyone until everyone's bought it, because... This is an industry that so encourages pre-orders and getting it on the day. Um, but they, they disguise it. They hide it. Little sneaky guys by trying to act like it's a, it's a spoiler thing. Like, oh, we don't want anyone to get spoiled for this fucking, like, you know, I mean, The Witcher 3 took like 100 hours to fucking beat. So, like, you get <laughs> well, spoiled. Well, oh, okay. you're, you're, okay, I'm really sorry to break. You're forgetting a very, very important point is, is when you log, what you're forgetting I thought we were both uh, Twitch affiliates, but you know that when you when you watch a game on Twitch, that you have to 
go and get your Twitch sponsored Clockwork Orange chair and the scientists <laughs> in the closet and have them sit down and hold your eyes open so you have to learn about all the spoilers. Um, uh, no, no, no one has human agency. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, this is definitely true and not at all a BS um, ploy to try and make sure that they can make all the uh, unnecessary and just basically all the unnecessary strikes that they can um, to continue to encourage people to drive up the sales of the game that I'm sure has already made a flabby zillion dollars anyways. But really, more than anything, what I want to do is I want to edit their statement to say, it is our hopes that our game is released. Um, <laughs> Got him. End of sentence. Because where... It's it's just it's just this. I think this looks like an interest. I think this looks like an interesting game, but it, it gets to these sort of weird cultural impasses that I experience with this industry, which is this kind of like this weird like like passive aggressive attitude of video game companies being like, now don't you spoil anything for anybody, and it's just like motherfucker. People are going on and watching entire playthroughs of games because there's too many games and we can't play them all that's not what this is about that's yeah, a long game this is about your this is about your bottom line and 100%. the potential profits from the game that literally everyone is already talking about anyways everybody is talking about this game yeah absolutely greedy no, it's, assholes it's it's ridiculous but it's becoming standard practice amongst these triple a companies even like um uh, uh they're I'm trying to remember what it was. I think it was Metacritic or something recently. I'm not sure if it actually went through, but there was talk about uh, preventing reviews before a game is, like, uh, released. And this was under the guise of stopping, like, review bombs, which do happen, to be fair. Mm -hmm. But it also means all the people who get early access to it to review it can't be putting up their, uh, you know, ratings and can't be like, "Uh, hey, this game's really fucking bad. I I wish more people could have warned me uh about fallout 76 for example because that game is horrible and, but i i i got it i got it on release because i was like oh cool fallout that i can like play with my friends that's that's exactly what i want i mean it's just um to where uh, uh an industry and various um often venture capital funded this is not to put blame on individual writers or people who are basically trying to do content writing to trying to make money hey i'm a writer don't we all know trying to do content writing to make money no these are on the corporations that own these that pay for and green light these studios and use bonuses um as incentive for you know the continued funding of the same shit that we keep getting over and over again and so it's this very uh um, it it is this uh, very uh, to to use a uh, a graphic metaphor. Um, it's a human centipede of capitalism. Everything passes through everyone's mouth, then colon. It's, it's lovely. Anywho, that, that's pretty much it. I mean, it, it it really is this. I think that the human centipede is a really great metaphor for this because it it really is this cycle where the shit on one side of it gets directly passed to the next. Because yeah, if if you're like an editor for something like IGN and somebody tries to review a, a really big AAA title and like give it a two out of ten, you're thinking, oh, I know people in that studio and they might like, you know, they're probably going to lose their bonus, but they might lose their fucking job uh, if this game is reviewed poorly because 
reviews can be tied so much to to how uh, uh, staff are treated. Um, so now it's or like whether or not you get an advanced copy if you're if you're uh, if you're beat or whatever is going to get an advanced copy of the yeah. next game that everyone's going to be having to talk about. That's going to make your page views go crazy down if you're not talking about cyberpunk 853 or whatever the next thing's going to be yeah so that's backwards yeah it's a prequel (laughs) if someone if someone wants to do a negative review for say cyberpunk uh you're the the editor there now you're thinking okay if we do that we could be fucking over people in the studio some of whom you might know because it can be quite an insular industry uh we could be fucking over this company because we might lose access to review copies in the future because we, you know, slammed this fucking game when it, uh, before it came out. Um, there's so many systemically uh, engraved incentives to just not do journalism. Yeah, because there's such a... It, it's about... And this is what I want some people to understand in particular when it comes to these really, really, really big corporate structures that most of us don't get our actual eyes on i just have to we have to just read about it who owns who like these sort of like 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 post monopoly mega conglomerate conglomo from rocco's modern life or whatever we own you or that sort of a thing <laughs> yeah is that there is there's there there are uh, there's a wide spectrum of various individual conscious agents conscious actors up and down sort of the chain in these companies but when you when it gets to the rubber hitting the road also to the point where like the 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 way forward and up uh is making the sacrifices that Kay was just alluding to when they were just when they were talking about the idea that you know you, you can become compromised in these situations is that there's a very sharp slope when you start to approach the top of these structures to where like what really it's not just about a few people at the top rubbing their hands together or like a wide spectrum of like managers rubbing their hands together and petting their white cats and thinking about how they can make video games bad um, or how they can, you know, purposefully go out of the way to screw, screw people over and make culture worse um, and just water everything down and make it shittier so they can make more money. It's that by the time you get to the top of these places these aren't people who care about art and culture and gaming like and then you have people who are forced to based off of their love for their industry their co-workers etc sacrifice like rather than sacrifice their own and those people's well-being they just have to continue to sort of push things forward as they've been going in spite in spite of all of their love for this industry and for this sort of form of cultural expression and then by the time you get to the top, it's just these, it's, it's yet another, that's when you have this just carbon copy, rich fuck after rich fuck that just knew that this was going to be a good industry to invest in. And so now 10 years later, and they own a game studio and a small website that makes reviews that used to be a magazine, they somehow own Nintendo power or whatever. <laughs> and so they just are like, okay, like do games make money i think that's like, part that's of why like, we they love don't give E3, a shit you know uh it's because we get to yeah. watch these fucking freaks come up there and, and pretend to a care mm-hmm. about the medium and b like be human yes in general yeah just get up and you know re like figure out how to push your second alien tongue that allows you to speak your alien language back into your mouth and to uh 
speak hu- speak like human person yeah. for a minute. Yeah, you come out like, hello, human gamers. We love to play game byproduct. Now, please. Do you have a PlayStation? Do I have one, too? I do. <laughs> Good video games. Yes. So as we were sort of kicking around ideas for the podcast, we thought that we would just essentially... Um, sort of pick a game like a text and bring it to the table every week and uh, sort of discuss the ins and outs, the goods, the bads, the uglies of it. Um, and uh, as as we're sort of figuring out what exactly that means for our show, I think we, uh, um, get not, not to toot our own horns too much, okay, but I think we came up with a pretty good first example um, sort of introductory game that we can discuss to give people an idea of the kind of discussions that we want to have on our uh, ba- on the Bastard podcast. Um, would you like to introduce us to said game for the week? Absolutely. Uh, so the game that we're going to be talking about is uh, Obsidian's uh, 2019 effort, <laughs> The Outer Worlds. Which, Fallout New Vegas. I mean, the outer worlds. Space out new... Fallouter worlds, new space Vegas. That's that one. That's the one. Uh, so, just a little bit of context to this. Uh, a lot of people probably know this, but... Uh, yes, of course, Obsidian made New Vegas, which is widely considered, like, one of the best games ever. Which is crazy, considering all the constraints that Bethesda put on them. Um, also to briefly circle back around to what we were talking about before, they famously had their bonuses tied to a uh, Metacritic score. And they were like a couple points below the threshold. So they all got fucked out of their bonuses on like this really beloved. Did game. they really? Yep. That's funny. I didn't know. That. I know it's, it's Bethesda assholes. <laughs> um, confirmed bastard. Yeah. Confirmed bastard. Bethesda. That's put uh, them on the list. We just have a list. Yeah. One of our bastards of the week it, will just be the whole of Bethesda. Um, eventually it's just going to be a big scroll that we we walk up we walk to this the steps of the of uh, the ceo of video games and we unroll it our list of grievances the ceo of video games todd howard (laughs) (laughs) this game a lot of people myself included really wanted to like this game like all right Uh obsidian's putting out a game it's clearly sort of fallout but a little different um, especially after Bethesda, uh, you know, put out Fallout 76, a lot of people were like, okay, sick. Obsidian, the people who made the good Fallout game, they're, they're gonna, they're, they're gonna sort us out here. We're gonna get our fix from them. So it comes we're out. We're getting the band back together. We're gonna get the band back together. Uh, it comes out, and at the beginning when I was playing it, for the first little while, I was really into it. Because you... You immediately, you find yourself in this world uh, where it's it's just like corporate-owned planets and shit like that. Uh, and it's really, really, it's fucked. It's like, it's humorous, but it's this very like, yeah. hey, capitalism, bad. In these kind of intimate ways sometimes. Like, there's a few things they captured really well um, that simultaneously, for me, kind of show how you can't do a satire of a system this, like, inhumane. Um, right. Because in like the first uh, planet you go to, there's a cannery town, and there's like a plague going around, and the medicine for the plague is being allocated to people who are ranked higher in the company, 
Whereas the workers, they're just, they're being lied to about it and they're just getting sick. And uh, this came out uh, just at the end of 2019. So a little bit prophetic there going forward. Um, it's, that's one of those things where it's like, that's, that's not a satire. That's like a, that's a, that's current events. Like that's not, you know, you're not lampooning capitalism. You're just, that's just a thing that it does in real life. Uh, and has been like all year. And there's other things like how people who work for a company are expected to kind of uh, like parrot their slogans whenever they talk to anyone, even in their free time. You don't really have free time. Oh, and it's not the best choice. It's spacer's choice. Taste the freedom. That's what's happening with capitalism. Our free time and our work time are being, you know, they're, they're crossing over in ways we have no control over, especially... Um, if you are working from home, if you uh, are like a freelance worker, especially doing something like what we do, um, you're always kind of on. You know, you, there, there's no clear delineation between this is work now and this is like my personal time. And, uh, you know, the Internet has been used in a lot of ways to really fuck that up. Like a lot of people, you're expected to check your fucking emails, check your messages, all of that stuff 24 hours a day. Absolutely. And just to veer into that for a, a brief second, there's a there's a there's there's two uh, particular essays that jump out to me that I also think are good to put into conversation with one another. Um, the first one being um, uh, what Kate is talking about in terms of the f the functions of time and capitalism is something that I think is really interesting and an important point of sort of historical research. A historian I name check a lot by the name of Edward Palmer Thompson, E.P. Thompson, he goes by a lot, who's a Marxist social historian, um, a British Marxist humanist with the Communist Party Historians Group, um, wrote an essay called um, Time, Work, Discipline, and Industrial Capitalism. I could be getting that title wrong. Um, and it's basically about the sort of constraints of time that came with like say the public displaying of a clock and what being on the clock means and then how sort of our schedules changed as industrialization happened people started to essentially like for all intents and purposes electrify their neighborhoods so people could be out later at night um and it really started it changed our relationship to our environment and it changed our working days and could sometimes make them more rigid um sometimes harsher as well uh, you know, it could get pushed back on, you know, and advocating and fighting for things like the eight-hour workday. But at the same time, you know, time and our workplaces are inextricable from one another as discourses and as social formations, the way we live our life. And then I, it also makes me think about an essay that Mark Fisher wrote in Wired um, called Time Wars, I believe, which is a similarly, similarly sort of like subject piece uh, about more contemporary constraints of time and how uh, sort of this, as you're talking about this sort of like intercession into our daily lives, which is something that I think that Outer Worlds does actually okay. This kind of techno-feudal hell, I think, where we're like five companies own everything, um, I think is uh, at least relatively interesting. Yeah, I think that time topic, I think, uh, I think you hit on something. That's why I rambled on about it for a minute. No, I think that's a really good point. I haven't actually read that, but I'm I'm familiar with with sort of those ideas about how our the way we measured our labor uh, really started to change. 
um, mm-hmm. as we started, you know, basing things on time. And it no, it, it disastrous for for workers because now it's not. Did you get done what you needed to do today? It's have I gotten en- uh, as much labor as I can out of you per hour? And so the fight for the eight-hour working day is just, okay, now your boss is just trying to get as much from you in eight hours uh, instead of 12 or more, yeah. basically. And it becomes about uh, productivity becomes the conversation. Yeah, exactly. And that's not really good for anyone uh, except for whoever owns uh, the means of production. Um, and, and I think that those are all sort of things that get touched on in the outer world. So I was, for my first uh, half hour, I was really impressed. Um, and then, and then, we get to the first ideological conflict in the first world. Um, so there's this cannery town owned by this big corporation. I believe it's Spacer's Choice. And they are, it's, it it's, is, yes. it's cartoonishly evil. But again, in a way that like is pretty real also, because real life uh, corporations are cartoonishly evil. Um, and then there's a group of people you discover who left who said hey this is fucked we're gonna go start like our own sort of kind of commune uh further you know away and so you end up making uh a a quite fallout-esque kind of binary decision to fuck over one of them or the other to get what you need basically so you go through it kind of formulaically you get to see the cannery town and then you go and you learn about the commune and you talk to them and learn about them. And this is where the ideological limitations of the game really come in because they can't cope with the idea that there are ideas outside of capitalism. They'll acknowledge capitalism is very, very bad, or at least the form that they're depicting. But when it comes time to the people who want to exist outside of it, they always need to both sides it, even if it's kind of a shallow both sidesing. So yeah, there's this like the 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 thing that Outer Worlds does best is it's is the easiest thing. It's the soft. It's the sneering critique mm-hmm. of the like. It's taking contemporary circumstances and forwarding them to logical extremes, and then commenting on it in a humorous way and using. So like it's sort of, it's sort of what a retrofuturist aesthetic does in a lot of ways, and it's very it pokes a lot of fun. Early Fallout games did that. Good sort of post-apocalyptic games, like more newer ones that I've liked, like Atom RPG, for example. Uh, the Wasteland series. I'm though I'm not particularly fond of Wasteland Three, but uh, the Wasteland series I think does that, you know, relatively well. But the the it, it this critique is both an asset as well as a demonstration of its ends like the like the 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 sort of end bracket on the critique of capitalism that is outer worlds is this sort of this derision um but the problem with that is that there is um it, there's there's a fundamental lack of imagination even in how shitty things could be because what happens in this so th- this game is like it's basically like it's an alternative the outer world is predicated on an alternative history to where the united states did not enact antitrust laws in the early 20th century which were the laws that prevented and broke up the big monopolies that had formed around industry like railroad um or steel like steel uh in in creating uh uh, uh all, all, 
all kinds of an unbelievable amount of wealth uh, that really humankind, not just the United States, in its sort of like late industrial industrialization process had had seen. It was a um, and so and and this is predicated. This game is that that didn't happen, and so. Five, uh, five corporations owned the entire planet, wrecked and destroyed the planet, and decided that the alternative was to stick a bunch of like people in these big ships and cryogenically freeze them and go find places to essentially colonize into their sort of like techno-corporate hell. Um, and so places like Spacer's Choice emerged as company towns after the in this sort of like post earth flight like earth is apparently what's happening back on earth during this entire game is really fucked up but you're not really hearing much about any of it they use that to kind of tease what is now apparently a a, a rumored sequel um but other than that the thing about outer worlds that is most disappointing is that it, it, in the in this world that they've constructed based off of very limited historical fiction i don't <laughs> the idea that like <laughs> the, the 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 trajectory of capitalism was going to change all that much because the united states didn't pass antitrust law in the early 20th century like i can, i can use my imagination uh I, I don't care for that but um but when you move beyond that even the future that they've imagined is just this sort of like hyper inflated in my opinion almost sort of like a free-based post-apocalyptic late late capitalist imaginary yeah this like sort of like libidinal form of the post-apocalyptic rpg with all of its good and its bad all sort of synthesized into these like really jam-packed isolated environments throughout the game to where it's just like free basing these like you're just cooking and very purely inhaling or injecting <laughs> this sort of like discursive formation that is saying some stuff but not all of the stuff that it thinks it's saying at least in my opinion yeah and that's uh, no, that's a really good point especially uh when thinking about how ideologically limited it really is and that's what really I think that for me, the most obvious place where that pops up is in the the supposed like alternative uh, uh, ideological positions to the sort of corporate uh, hegemony, which such as the commune on the first planet, who are they don't really have a coherent ideology, and that's going to be a trend. They're just we don't want to live right. as basically yes. slaves in this fucking corporate owned town. But the game expects you to sort of both sides it because the leader of the commune has like personal beef with the company and with the leader of the um, the cannery town. So it's meant to be this kind of decision that you're meant to make. Uh, it, it treats it as if it's a somewhat evenly weighted decision between like, you know, corporate fucking neo-feudalism and a pretty cool commune, but the lady like, you know... She's got, you know, her intentions aren't all 100% selfless. Some of it is a petty, like, dislike of other people. Oh, my goodness. Well, I know. no no egalitarian person has ever been petty and human. Yeah, <laughs> never been done. Like, well, I mean, like, this is a, the, like, you, pick, you picked the good illustration. And the reason why it's such a good choice is because, and this is where the big old spoilers are, but uh, the it's because that encapsulates sort of the the solution to the good ending, if you will, 
um, to everything that's in front of you, which is, I mean, in my opinion, my reading of it is that it's liberalism. <laughs> because in the, in the sort of central story, one of these ships that was sent away from the, you know, really fucked up Earth or whatever, didn't quite make it all the way, so it just kind of drifted to its final destination with every, with all of the, you know, all the big brain smart teachers, engineers, doctors, etc. All the big brain smart, bourgeois, educated people still cryogenically frozen, um, unable to solve all of society's problems. And so by the time they get there, uh, they basically... There is one sort of like subversive element who's still awake. He's a doctor. He's the guy who wakes you up, the main character, the protagonist, the stranger, as you're called. Um, he brings you out of sleep and tasks you with saving all of those smart people so they can go and use all of their liberal rationality and education and bourgeois education to go fix all of the problems. Yeah, it's, um, we call it the movie bomb ship. Yeah. <laughs> 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 this is just it's just it's the movie bob biopic um big fan yeah big big fan. it's the brainland um, ship coming to save all the ignorant savages <laughs> our takes are small brained and we're, my my people my family is starving because my break my takes are small brained and i need the big brain takes yeah and what if, do i do if you think about it they deserve to be starving for having such small brains yes. so well yeah i should have tried i should have tried harder i should have uh I should have gone to a Spacer's Choice University <laughs> um, to further my education and get a masses, masses, a master's of, of business slavery. I mean, administration. <laughs> or oh, man. Yeah, I, <laughs> I really I, I should have done that, too. I just did business slavery history. Can't get any jobs with that. Mm. Mm. Yeah, even more useless. Yeah, I know. What were we thinking? <laughs> so I, I, so you, that, I think that's the big uh, I think there's plenty there's plenty of that our outer worlds does okay um, in sort of trying to ra rather than the thing about outer worlds that summarized it a lot for me is rather than be some sort of like a uh, lost future of this like in the way that I think a lot of people felt New Vegas was sort of like an alternative timeline of Fallout what had happened with the Fallout series which I think some people in light of all of this discussion about capitalist realism and like that sort of a thing. I think uh, um, I think they should go back and play the first two Fallout games, which are very good and much less prone to um, like nonsense gobbledygook than their Bethesda counterparts, but maybe not quite as incredible as you remember them personally. But anyways, it had it, it, it instead is this sort of it's a very cold recapitulation toward this ultimately very sort of like mundane reimagined past that has been done it's this sort of like simulation of a previous it's it's variations on a theme but in a way that's just too like that that, that lacks life yeah and i i think lacks life is a really good way to describe a lot about this game like even on like a just a, a mechanical level I think a big part of why I, I didn't finish it is because the combat's fucking boring. The character development is boring. Mm -hmm. The perks, which are, like, they're some of the most interesting stuff in, uh, like, the, the uh, Fallout games of, of recent years. Um, they've There's always been a lot of flavor and, and, and versatility in the perk system and building your character. And this, it's absolutely gone. Um there are perks, but they're really boring, and there's not many of them. Uh, and just uh, 
the 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 general aesthetic just feels generic like i don't know it just it didn't land for me at all and applying any sort of uh, uh ideological lens to it is just so fucking harrowing because you it reveals itself as something that is so devoid completely just devoid of anything um and i'm reminded of uh one of the other oppositions to uh, a corporate-owned town that you meet on another planet who are sort of subtly implied to be anarchists but <laughs> like a li like if the uh, <laughs> like if like the the mall anarchist from a 1990s sitcom yeah that is the anarchism that <laughs> it's the most sh that that is the, the i i remember being like this is the subversive this is the this is the left wing flavor of this game. This is this is the guy. Yeah, and oh. they are ideologically devoid, totally incoherent in their goals, kind of dicks, implied to be sort of a cult. <laughs> yes. And they're just not serious. And I think that really comes down to the way that this game reinforces the dominant ideology. It will acknowledge that things are bad. Anyone trying to exist outside of it just isn't a serious person. They're a ridiculous caricature of, 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 of radicalism who, yeah, they just spray paint A's on things and dress funny and that's their whole, that's it. They have no further ideas. And that's, that's the Outer Worlds. Things are bad, but you're a fucking idiot if you want to really, or a bad person secretly, if you want to try to improve society somewhat. That's exact. I think that's exactly the problem of the sort of like the the the, the essences of anti capitalism that gets picked off of picked up off of title, titles like The Outer Worlds is that it, it, rather than a game like Disco Elysium that shows an that can forward an anti capitalist view of what could possibly be while depicting something that is messy dirty something that involves conflict between human agents who are imperfect and who sometimes push for their own interests conflicts between ideologically ideological uh opponents who could who could and perhaps should rather be allies or would some person be able to compromise all of the like like rich and messy complexity of human experiences that go into you know a, a left-wing politic and then you have this game, the wild, you know, not not real anarchist nonsense group on the one hand, the cult of personality, and then on the other hand, the like shitty libs, corporate libs. Well, in 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 presented in these sort of like very contemporary sort of third way binaries of sorts, like yeah, uh, like it, 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 the only decision that you're that you're complicating is the decision between how to properly gauge these wacky, nonsensical political ideologies in this game. Yeah, and I think that the comparison to Disco Elysium is really uh, good because of how how it does right everything that this game does wrong. And I'm so glad you brought it up because I never finished The Outer Worlds. I don't know how it ends. I got halfway through it. I just I really realized how vapid it was and how all of these ideas it was presuming to explore were coming to nothing. Um so I stopped playing it and I picked up Disco Elysium. And that's really all there is to say about that. I mean, and if you've played that game, 
any any frame of that game you know the difference you can feel you can feel in the texture really and that 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 would come back to some sort of i think legitimate aesthetic argument to be made for the 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 like how beautiful of a game disco elysium really is but there's Mm -hmm. this like you have there is an almost an essential difference between these two ideas i would say not to say and that's not to say that outer worlds present zero no zero good like there are portions of this game to where like i i feel like the the sort of combination of essences like as i was talking about earlier the sort of like free based post apocalyptic all the fallout games and all all the other not fallout but kind of fallout games all in one it like overwhelms in a good way sometimes this this sort of like you know this style that i think lots of us like cuz i love a um post-apocalypticism as a as a mode of critique as a like sort of like a, a nuclear fallout as commentary i think is a something that sort of science fiction and its adjacent categories has gotten really interesting i think it's still worth comment commenting on considering it i mean look at the world now everything always feels like it's in this weird new balance but not this because this isn't anything new and the problem is that like if if your critique of culture isn't like actually engage like either structurally or super or supra structurally engaged with any sub or section or subsection or oversection of our economic circumstances, how are you supposed to make something that's culturally relevant much less interesting? Instead, you're just going to be creating this. Eventually, you're going to be able to. The new, the newest game is just going to be another Fallout simulacra that people are just like. That there's just going to be some nice stuff written online about, and people are going to be like, "Oh, it's so flashy!" And listen to the cool, like, like listen to the cool, you know, Tommy Dorsey 1950 soundtrack, which I'm not going to lie, I fucking love. I just I like old fogey music because I'm a homosexual, but. Uh, at the end of the day, it's not going to be anything interesting, and we're going to be there's going to be too much distance between things that the potential of what could be, like something like Disco Elysium, a real critique, and something that then, in the Hegelian sense, like gives body to that negativity and tries to produce something new from it, or this game, this this game, this will be what we get, and it it's a you know it's not great, it's not great, and. That's that's really all there is to say about it. Uh, we are we're a little over an hour now, so I think we should quickly address the bastard of the week. I think we should. Um, so, and I were talking, and uh, there's there's so many really beautiful, colorful figures, um, uh, you know, saying racial slurs in front of hundreds of thousands of people <laughs> online and saying that um, it, 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 it was because of a very in, in, intense Fortnite related moment to uh, the article that I read today that uh, was talking about how everyone was sending around pictures of their new, their new Xbox uh, on fire, but in all actuality, it was apparently just people... Uh, blowing sick clouds into the fan um of their xbox some sweet vape some some sweet (laughs) vape moves um we 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 are uh we are here as penance and in in part in our penance i thought every week that we could roast the ever-living shit out of somebody i wanted to do something special for our first week and uh 
I think speaking as to uh, uh, speaking uh, uh, speaking as to uh, Twitch affiliates, uh, may God rest our souls. <laughs> I thought we could. I thought we could inaugurate the sort of a bastard of the week segment with uh, the head of the absolute um, kraken of um, capitalist hell that is uh, Amazon.com and also uh, Twitch.tv. Uh, Jeff Bezos. Um, That's right, big Jeff. Bi- uh, Known big, gamer. Our big gamer boy. I I recently played a game. That reminded me of our dear friend, Jeff. Uh, This game was called Amnesia Rebirth. came out recently. Mm. Uh, And in that game, there is a a queen or empress or or something of an ancient civilization. And the entire population of that civilization now live in torture pods that keep them alive and semi-sedated. Uh, but uh, show them their worst nightmares because their fear produces a substance that she uses to uh, achieve immortality. Hmm. And I imagine an endgame plan for Jeff Bezos very similar to that, except instead of fear, it is workers having to piss themselves because they aren't permitted bathroom breaks. He needs it. It makes him immortal. Yeah, um, a big key difference is that uh, Jeff Bezos... Is uh, and this is not to kink shame Jeff Bezos, but he wants all of that directly into his mouth. He wants he just, the piss. He he loved to drink pee pee. If there's one exactly. thing about Jeff Bezos is that he loved to drink the pee pee. That's so, right. And if you're if you're an Amazon worker, and you need to piss, and you're not being given a fucking bathroom break, I want you to remember that's because Jeff Bezos's mouth is the toilet. So you yeah. find him. You find him and you give him what he wants. I am uh, uh, hereby announcing my campaign for President of the United States in 2024 um, on the platform of that everyone gets to piss on Jeff Bezos' face one time every month um, from now until uh, their um, last breath. Uh, So vote for me. And uh, yeah, um, there, there, there's really there's really two there's two like ethical play. We're all sinners. We all know this. We've all fallen um, in the eyes of the Lord. Um, and I've by never the done Lord, anything wrong. Speak for yourself. Well, I mean, and by by the eyes of the Lord, um, I mean Hasune Miku, of course. Oh shit! Um, yeah, we've I'm, all fallen yeah. below yeah. her grace. Um, but, uh, and the reason, the main reason why is because there are only two ethical places to use the bathroom. The first one is Margaret Thatcher's grave. And the other one is Jeff Bezos's, uh, nasty face. That's Um, right. And I want to quickly uh, bring up a a classic, uh, uh, Margaret Thatcher quote that we all remember her for, uh, which is the problem with my grave is that eventually you run out of piss. Yes. But I want. I, I just if there's one thing I want people to take away from this episode, it's that you will never run out of piss. Not if you believe in yourself. If you believe in yourself, if you believe in the proletariat, mm-hmm. you will never run out of piss for Margaret Thatcher's grave or Jeff Bezos's weird, weird face. I don't know. I don't know how to express my gratitude for this opportunity, uh, Kay, to come on this fantastic. Pro- program 
and to discuss the debased, vile culture that we both have decided to uh, dedicate far too much of our time, money, and uh, brain matter toward. But uh, I just wanted to say uh, that I'm looking forward to see what we come up with and how other ways we can get put on various government watch lists uh, for video games. All for video games. Hell yeah. That's uh, that's the plan. And uh, it's important to know that if you're, if, you're, if, if you're seeing what's going on in the world and thinking about how you wish things could be different, but you don't know where to, how to do that. You don't know where to start. Um, playing video games. That's really the most yes. revolutionary thing you can do. I think that's what we need people to understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's our parting lesson. Uh, a lot of people talk to me about uh, organizing um, because I'm known as someone who does organizing IRL. Yeah, organizing LAN, LAN parties. Yes, exactly. What all those people yeah. fail to understand is by organizing, I just mean gaming. Yeah. I, ga- I game as hard as I can, and yeah. I do it for the working class. That's right. That's, that's what it's all about, baby. <laughs> All right, that's enough from us. Let's do plugs and get out of here. Yeah, you can follow. First of all, you can uh, follow the podcast at uh, AGAB Pod on Twitter. By the way, I believe that that's the handle that I got. Let me double check. (laughs) (laughs) I I I went and I grabbed it. Yeah, follow that Twitter account for yeah uh, any, any news. A gap pod, yeah. Follow that for any news or to see us perhaps uh, declare jihad on Todd Howard. We'll see. Yeah, to watch us, um, and then immediately suspended. Yes, (laughs) follow whatever our current Twitter handle is after the last one got suspended because we told (laughs) uh, the president of Activision to drink bleach or whatever. (laughs) Kay, what's your what's your handle? Where can people find you? You can find me at K and Skittles, and uh, if you want to hear more of me, uh, you can also check out my YouTube channel, the same name. Yes, I am also on all the things. Just go to uh, twitter.com, H-T-T-P-S, colon, slash, slash, twitter.com, slash, Labor Kyle, L-A-B-O-R-K-Y-L-E, and you can do youtube.com, slash, Labor Kyle to watch my ramblings about other video games and left-wing content yeah and you got to do that in an internet browser just so you know yeah Mm -hmm. on on the computer Uh, american on american online (laughs) while while you're figuring out how to get onto american online uh also check out my other podcast uh video games are the worst things or fuck video games are the worst thing on earth that's how you say it just google that (laughs) you'll probably find it just just Reach your head outside your window and shout to the heavens, video games are the worst thing on earth. Yeah, and we will find and, you. And um, um, and also, I have another podcast <laughs> <laughs> as well at Protean Pod on Twitter. It's the ma- uh, podcast for Protean Magazine, a great magazine where you can read my words as well as hear my words. Hell yeah. We did it. We did it. Fucking did it. Good podcasting. All right. Good video games. All gamers are bastards.
ravioli. Ah, mamma mia.